Last time we were together, we didn't get through the first page. Who was here two weeks ago? Praise God. And the Lord did a great work, and I'm so grateful. I would like to begin with a few things that are not on your handout. So you can write, but there will be no fill in the blank to start with. Um, And I'll come back to this little part here in a moment. The church is the establishment of Jesus Christ. It's not a man-made venture. The church is in the kingdom. The kingdom is is described in various ways by Jesus Christ. The kingdom. The church is in the kingdom. When people say that they're kingdom-minded... And it's not about your church, about my church. They're they're actually giving you a false comparison. Um, The Constitution of the United States is the overarching banner of how, uh, I'm sorry, of why we would be a country. The hospital, all the hospitals in America are under the banner of the Constitution. So you don't say, well, it's all about the Constitution. It's not about your hospital or my hospital. So when you consider the comparisons that are made often, they are false. Actually, in logic, we would call this a a fallacy of confusion of categories. So let's just do a little logic class here tonight. Can we do that? This is a little pre-law. Um, confusion of categories is to compare things that do not relate. A goat and an Allen wrench. Your mother-in-law and... And, 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 and never mind. <laughs> Just See, I get carried away. Um, the, the church is in the kingdom. It's part of the kingdom. So when we talk about this church... It's, it's a part of the global church, but not just the global church, the church that transcends even distance and time. So when Jesus came to establish his church, he did not come to establish a denomination. He didn't come to establish a church in one area or location of the world. He established a church with a capital C. His kingdom... Um, is the overarching dimension of all things. His kingdom will come and it will rule over all of the world. So I don't want to go too far into that. I have spoken about that before, but I I just wanted to point this out, that the church, our particular church, is ordained of God and it functions with within the scope of the global church. So we are not the totality of the church, but we are 
the church and part of the church. Is everybody still with me? Maybe. You are in the church, but you are the church. But we are not all of the church. There's millions of people that are a part of the church. Perhaps tens of millions of people that have died as a part of the church. And so when I talk about the church now, I'm talking about God's church. The large group of masses. And in the function of this, there's templates that we follow. And there's templates that are defined in the Old Testament. Those templates did not go away just because the Old Testament was in a different dispensation. Those templates are... Would, what we understand as the law was a schoolmaster. They teach us, they, they direct us. Thus comes types and shadows, capital T, types and shadows. We are saved by the water. We're saved by the water. Just as Noah was saved by water, even so baptism doth now also save us. This is First Peter. So when you consider those types and shadows, you see what's happened the tabernacle plan, not only did it show us the path and the plan of salvation, the first station that you came to in the tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses, was the, was the altar. It was, it was the sacrificial altar. That was repeated in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. To repent, to die, uh, die out. The second place was the molten sea, this pool of water where you washed. So when the priest made the sacrifice, he, he needed to wash. They would wash. This was what they would call the molten sea. It was a pool of water. This is baptism. We're baptized. This was Acts 2.38, the next line. Repent and be baptized. They did it in water. They, they did it in places where there was much water, the Bible says. Even Ananias said to Saul before he became Paul, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name, Peter said. And then the main attraction was the Ark of the Covenant where the glory came down. It consumed the, the, the blood that was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Those are the three things. When you get to the New Testament the action of the priesthood was still in play until the day that Jesus died and the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. It was, there is some debate as to how thick the veil was, but we know it was very thick. We know it was something that could not be torn with a man's hand, especially from top to bottom. It was ripped, it was torn. And when we, when we investigate the word torn, it was frayed. It wasn't sawed asunder. It wasn't with a knife. It was torn. It was frayed. It was, it was ripped from top to bottom. Which some scholars would say that it wasn't a clean cut. Which means that it's obviously it wasn't the work of a man's hand. They were astounded because now the Holy of Holies was, was exposed. Are you still with me now? It was exposed. Paul would later come back and say, 
you can boldly, this was a, this was a huge statement that was a great, uh, this was a thorn in the side of the Pharisees. That the early church would teach this. You can come boldly before the throne of grace. They knew exactly what he was talking about. You didn't have to have a man stand in the way to, to take your offering, your sacrifice, and then to present it to God. You didn't have to have a person get in the way between you and the Holy of Holies. Now, we don't understand this because we're not Jews here. We didn't live under that. We don't understand how that operated. We've always understood that we could go to God. But in that day, there was a cultural shift that you didn't have to have someone to go to. Now, the problem with that is in the, in the 200s and the 300s, as the Catholic Church started to gain ground and catechism started to teach that you went to a father, you told him your sins, he absolved you or gave you duties, then all of a sudden we professionalized this idea. That's where clergy and laity came in to play. That's where that, that it, was, it was an easy fix for people who were not educated because Gutenberg had not invented his, his press and no one could read in Latin. And so the only people who had scripture available to them were men of higher education. The common folk didn't know it. But when Gutenberg invented his printing press and everyone had access to all kinds of papers and documents, all of a sudden people could read for themselves. They could read how they should, how they should act and, and, and what God had said. And so now all of us today, we have access to the Holy Scripture ourselves. And now as I'm standing here to teach you about spiritual gifts, I want you to know I'm only facilitating this. I don't give you the spiritual gift. Whatever you want from God, you can get it by yourself between you and the Lord wherever you are. Because you are the church and he is going to marry you and he'd love for his bride to look good. All right. The recognition, the recognition of the bride that Isaac was going to marry did not come from her face. But Eleazar went to find her and lavished her with expensive gifts from the house, from the father's house. Abraham sent his most trusted son, go find me a wife. I'm sorry, trusted servant. Go find me a wife for my son Isaac. And Eleazar went to find her and found Rebekah and lavished her with gifts and jewels. And we have no idea how many. And when Isaac looked from afar, he recognized the bride, not from her face, but from her gifts that came from his father's house. And the spiritual gifts that God has given us is an easy recognition that we are part of the church. It is the design of the Father to give you spiritual gifts. You're not designed not to have any spiritual gifts. You're designed to have spiritual gifts and He will give them liberally to everyone. He doesn't give them to people who are professional. I'm not in the way. 
I'm glad if you want to come and ask me for advice. People have asked me for advice today. People asked me for advice yesterday and last week and last month. I'll try to help you. But I just want you to know, if you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you have been evidenced by speaking in other tongues, you can go right into the Holy of Holies. Even if you come by my office, I'm not going to be the one that will bring you there. I don't have the authority to do that. I am a temporary manager, a pastor according to God's own heart and Jeremiah 3.15. But you have the Holy Ghost. And it's the design of the Father to give you all of the gifts that he has in store for you. You don't have to wait for me to put my hand on you. You don't have to wait for me to get up on the pulpit and preach some word to you. All you have to do is get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm ready for something. And you can walk yourself right into the Holy of Holies. The veil has been torn and rent, and it has been torn into and you can get right into God all you have to do is desire it what I'm concerned about is I'm concerned that we become pseudo Catholics in the Pentecostal church and we're wanting somebody to tell us how to be saved and how to live and how to get spiritual gifts when this book has everything we need and all you have to do is get in prayer if you will if you will put your mind to the task of seeking him. I opened up this lesson again tonight and I realized, oh, I've got to have the things of God on my mind. The things of God, the things of God. Say it with me, the things of God. I want to think about the things of God. Come on, say it. I want to think about the things of God. The things of God, the things that are holy, the things that are righteous, the things that are pure. I want to have the mind of God, the thoughts of God. I want to be concerned about God's things. God's things. God's things. This is the call. We've got to be concerned about God's things. It's impossible for us to talk Bible without understanding and loving God's things. It is terribly important that Monday and Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are not filled every day with corruptible things, things that are not of God and then somehow we walk in on Wednesday night and we say, well here we are what are we talking about? Well we all all should know what we're talking about we're talking about God's things the Bible, we're talking about the Holy Scripture yes I'm in your handout here think of this God ordained spiritual tools. But they are not just tools, but they are spiritual gifts. And they are for the use of the church. I read from 2 Corinthians again for the weapons of our warfare are not what? They're not carnal, carnality. Not only is it impossible to realize spiritual gifts through carnal eyes, but carnality itself opposes recognition of the moving of the Holy Spirit. That is, carnal people do not understand the operation of the Spirit. Carnal people will never under, understand the operation of the church. If you find yourself to be carnal, you've got to pray that out of your life. I'll tell you, you've got to pray it out of your life. You've got to set something before your eyes that's not carnal. You've got to put your mouth that's speaking about things that are not carnal. If you're going to live carnal, you'll not, never understand what's going on in the church. You'll never understand what's going on in the church. If you live a carnal life, 
every lesson will be foreign. Every, every Bible study, every sermon, it's always going to be a little bit off. You'll never get it because carnal concepts don't mesh with spiritual things of God. In fact, if you read the Bible, when James wrote, he's rebuking the adulterers, adulteresses. Know ye not that the fellowship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. How, how, how do I, how can I relate that to you? I'm going to tell you how I can relate it to you. When someone posts something on Facebook and you give them a thumbs, thumbs up, even though it's vulgar. Friendly affirmation of worldly things is not comely for a Christian who follows the Lord. Yes. Amen, everybody, amen. Well, you, it's okay. Listen, you know, it's Wednesday night. And I'm, and I'm kind of, I'll tell you later. I'm going to ride this train. Romans 8, and, 8, verse 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither can be. Verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You're never going to please God as long as you're in the flesh. Stop being fleshly. Stop being carnal. Enmity. It's hostility towards God. Hostile. Hostile. Mm. Noah was moved by fear. And when he built the boat, it condemned the world. His way of living condemned the world. I want to get to the gifts of the Spirit, but I have to tell you, the gifts of the Spirit, they need a pure heart, not carnality. A fleshly, carnal spirit has a tough time operating in the gifts, in the supernatural gifts of the Holy Ghost. Your way of life is a condemnation against the world. Oh my. So if you say to me, well, Pastor, we don't want to be offensive. You are offensive just by the way you live. You are offensive to the world and the people of the world because just by the fact that you're building an ark to the saving of your own home is an offense to the world and Noah condemned the world by building an ark. The church is an offense to the fleshly carnal mind. This building right here is a reproach to every person who loves the world and the things of the world because they are hostile against the things of God. And we haven't really seen it yet in America, but it's coming our way. I'm concerned, as the Bible would say, if you can't run with the, with the soldiers, how are you going to run? If you can't walk with the soldiers, how are you going to run with the horsemen? You're, this is easy. This is an easy day. No matter what it is, this is an easy day. This is e We're living in an easy time. Easy peasy. You got it. This is nice. I'm going to tell you, a lot of parts of the world don't have what we have right now, right here. And we don't take advantage of our freedom to get inside of this room and worship God. We're not taking advantage of it. Because if we did take advantage of it, there would not be one seat empty in this house. We don't understand because we think it'll just be there next week. And it'll be there the week after that. We don't know how close we are 
to a shift in the world that refutes the holy things of God. They don't want the church because the church itself is an image of condemnation against them. It is the ark. Well, I don't have time to go through it, but you'll just have to trust me or get a, get a massive worldview and find out that we are the only country in the world that still has freedom of speech. And in other places in the world, you cannot convert anyone without being imprisoned. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let me just talk about the church a little bit. The church is a living organism. It functions like the human body. If you have an infection, it brings a, about poor health. Immune systems can be attacked. The healthy church has to, has to be free from worldly influences. And worldly influences could even come from denominational influences. Well, praise God. I'm, I feel like I'm just by myself up here. But you know what? I, I love you. You're just looking at me. And at and, and one moment, I'm going to stare back at you. But I'm going to be up here because I just want you to know that this is the truth. Because if you're going to have... Should I just look down at my paper? If you're going to have a healthy life and a healthy church, you've got to be free from philosophies. Philosophies. And false doctrines. And false brethren. Did you know false brethren could exist? That's people that are in the church, but they're really wolves. They're not brothers. And sin. Everybody say sin. The best thing you could ever do for your family is to raise them in holiness. Holiness, if you're just a financial guy, costs more than worldly. I mean, is, is, is less costly than worldliness. Oh, yeah. It's a lot cheaper living a holy life. Yeah, well, okay. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm, when I'm talking to people and they're having to bail their kids out of prison and they're raising grandchildren and they're trying to get off all the narcotics and they have to spend $4 a pack for cigarettes and they have a drug addiction and they can't stop drinking and they have this wife and that wife and that husband and that husband and all of a sudden my father told me a long time ago, huh? he said, son, I hope you get married. When you get married, stay true because girlfriends are very expensive. Solomon had a lot of wives and a lot of porcupines or something. And I'm glad he had a lot of money because it cost a lot of money. I'll tell you what, the cheapest way to go is live a holy life as unto the Lord. That's just money. The best way to keep your conscience clean is to live a holy life unto the Lord. You want to have a clear conscience? You don't have to take sleeping medications. You can lay your head down with a clear conscience. How about laying your head down with a clear conscience and saying, thank you, Lord, for another day? How about having a routine? A disciplined life is a routine. A disciplined life is a routine. It is a good thing. Like Dr. Hughes told us, a healthy marriage is often a boring marriage. Everybody knows where you're going to be and when you're going to be. An unhealthy marriage is is a marriage where a man or a woman doesn't want any accountability. Thank God we have accountability. Guess what happens in a healthy marriage, in a healthy home, in a spiritual home, in a home that has holiness in it. The children grow up secure and confident. Yes. I want to get to the spiritual gifts, but I just have to tell you that if you, if you love the world and the things of the world, it's in a hostility against the things of God. And the church is a body. And we need spiritual gifts. But we also know spiritual gifts can't come through us if we are full of flesh. 
Flesh is a great deterrent. It is a sickness on the body. And it hurts our body. Carnality. To be carnal. Carnally minded. Always carnally minded. Carnal. Carnal. Gain. and Trying to vie for positions. and Politics. Man, I've tried to run out politics for 20 years now out of this house. Politics. We don't need church politics. We don't want people in positions because they know somebody. We don't have anybody in positions because they gave some lofty offering. We don't want anyone doing something or getting away with something or having an opportunity because of who they are, what the last name is, or anything. We, we got to run off church politics. We got to work together to do that. You know why? Because we're a family of God. Everybody matters in this house. It don't matter where they come from, they matter. We love them regardless. I don't care who sings the solo as long as they're loving God and, and they're on key. see I shouldn't have said that either but it's true (laughs) otherwise they can love God and make a joyful noise and we'll turn the microphone off (laughs) I want to get to the spiritual gifts we got to get the supernatural gifts how can we get to the supernatural gifts if our minds and our thoughts are always centered on carnality carnal, carnal things carnal No, I want to think about the things of God. What is most important for the things of God? How do I get into the realm of things of God? I'll tell you how you do that. You open up your Bible on a daily basis and you read one scripture. Open up your computer programs, read one scripture or a chapter or read through one of these wonderful one-year Bibles and read the scripture all day long. Or read it for 10 minutes. Or read it for 5 minutes. Or memorize one of the M90 verses. Amen. How we doing? Well, I I think I've gotten through half of the, the first page. We'll go quickly. Last couple weeks ago we talked about, I reminded you what the gifts are for. Spiritual gifts are not meant to replace preaching. Everyone said amen. Spiritual insight is never in conflict with the gospel. That was established. Spiritual gifts are not a substitute for spiritual authority. God doesn't doesn't use opposing matters. This is not a good cop, bad cop thing. This is not, we don't play those odds. Spiritual gifts used in their proper place and in order should never lead to an independent thought. I'm talking tonight a little bit about these spiritual matters and I want to just give you the power gifts of the nine gifts of spirit these would be considered the power gifts the gift of faith number two the working of miracles and finally the gifts of healing just a few points for you and for me the power gifts often work in conjunction with one another they they lead one leads to the other they 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 can shift in and out of the first chair. And they are they are almost always overt, which means they can be seen by people, the believer and the non-believer. They are overt. They're on the outside. The working of miracles, for instance, and the gifts of healing are both for the benefit of the body, and they are a witness to the unbeliever that the doctrine of Jesus Christ is true. Let's just talk a little bit about the gift of faith. 
at the core of faith is a simplicity in believing that there is a God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it entails trust and dependency on the word of the Lord and on his existence. Who would have thought that the most basic root to negate God is found in the battle over his existence. So evolution is, is that process to remove the existence of God. So they, they, whoever they may be, maybe a couple thousand years in the making, we know this in, in the evolutionary thought, but this has been going on for a long time. To, to call into question whether God exists or not exists is at the root of all other things. If he does exist, then there's ramifications for how we live. There is a, there is a, there is a higher thought. Um, there is a power beyond. There is a spiritual realm if, if God exists. If he doesn't exist, then mankind is its own making or humanism becomes um, the ruler or, or the decipher of all code. So the gift of faith begins at this core and then it launches from there. So Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now we've moved into another level of faith or another dimension of faith. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now we believe in something that may not be immediately tangible, but it always still goes back to believing in God and his existence because none of us were there when he began the world and spoke it into existence. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So faith always begins in creation. The genesis of all things is the introduction of faith that he formed the worlds so that the things which are seen are, are, were not made of things which do appear. He spoke them from nothing. So faith is the beginning. If you want to please him, you have to have faith. And faith is required for salvation. It is the one half of the formula that gives power to believers. What is the one half? It comes from James 2, 6, 2, 17 and 18. Even so faith, if it hath not works as dead, being alone. Yea, if a man say, thou hast faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith without thy works. I'll show you my faith by my works. They go together. So when you repent... It's not, a work of the, it's not a work of humanity. When you're baptized, it's not a work of humanity. So when the Bible says you're, you're saved through faith, not of works, once again, we're convoluting those subjects. You can't earn your way into heaven, but you must repent and be baptized. Those are not a works of humanity. Those are the works that are combined with faith. Faith and works. That's how we know you've repented of your sins. You were baptized in the name of Jesus. Is everybody with me here? 
trying to move into this area because we've got to get to the gift of faith. Now, the gift of faith is the supernatural ability to trust God for a particular need or a particular circumstance. It's the gift of faith. It's supernatural. And while all are given a measure of faith and all are required to have faith, the gift of faith of the nine supernatural gifts is a spiritual endowment from God expressly for the benefit of the body of Jesus Christ. So whoever is given the gift of faith has a spiritual gift that what is about to happen or what will happen shall be by unction of the Holy Spirit. The Lord has given the gift of faith which is a supernatural endowment. Now the gift of faith always entails inspiration to believe for the impossible. We've had people come from time to time and have the gift of faith. And I spoke about a couple of weeks ago about Brother David Smith. He has a gift of faith. I believe that the gift of faith operates through him. He doesn't even question whether or not something is going to happen. And things do happen. It's phenomenal that things do happen. I've seen it in my own life. Ministers, people... Great women of God that they spoke with faith, but then the gift of faith took place and they spoke something for the benefit of the body through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. The gift of faith always speaks of an impossibility made possible by the Holy Ghost because this is a supernatural gift. And the gift of faith is made possible through the Spirit, which has no shadow or hint or doubt. It is without any skepticism. Now, you can have faith and say, I believe, I really believe. That's not the same as the gift of faith. The gift of faith is a supernatural operation from the Spirit. And it works in tandem with other gifts. As I said, these power gifts often move from second seat third seat, first seat, and they move. And the gift of faith often precedes the working of miracles, which is the next power gift. It's a supernatural gift. Now, I'm just giving you my experience. So I would just tell you that when when I recognize that the gift of faith is in the house and being spoken by whoever, my... My spiritual awareness goes up quite a bit because I recognize that that gift of faith is to open up the hearts of the people to receive the miracles that are about to happen. And the working of miracles now can take place because everyone believes or people believe that they're about to receive a miracle. And so they have expectation because the word of God has just come out and it's, 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 it's now across the sanctuary or it's in our lives or we have received that gift of faith and so now comes the working of miracles the early church was filled with the working of miracles but the preached word and the gift of faith often preceded these miracles blinded eyes were opened the deaf people spoke lame were walking the dead were brought back to life again peter was delivered by an angel demons were cast out so many things i couldn't list them all but these workings of miracles have three common traits Number one, they are showcases for the authority of God through his people. They are a showcase. God exudes his love and power 
It's a witness of truth. The working of miracles. A witness of truth. Number two, the other commonality in this working of miracles is they are events that defies, that defy the laws of nature and science. Because they are supernatural in form. The working of miracles are supernatural in form. They cannot be explained because they are supernatural. The working of miracles. An eye that suddenly appears in an empty socket. An arm that suddenly grows where there was no arm. Hearing that suddenly opens up. Where there was no hearing eyes that when I've watched where a man laid hands on on someone and their eyes uh, something had happened early on and one eye was was bent or, or or looking a different direction but when they removed their uh, their hands the eyes were directly they were set in place of instantaneous healing. I remember as a young boy. Mother Burgess, whose spine had deteriorated from cancer. She had no lower spine. The cancer had eaten it away. And one day, my father and ministers went to the back, and her wheelchair was in the back. I remember her getting out of the wheelchair and walking to the front. They had just poured a, a concrete ramp to the side of the building so they could wheel her up and down. But I remember her getting up out of the wheelchair and they helped her get up. She had not walked for a long time. And she had gained a lot of weight. And she got up and began to walk on her own two feet. She did not have a lower spine. That was the work of the miracles. But if memory serve me, serves me right, I remember the church praying. And the word of faith, the gift of faith came out and said, Tonight, people are going to be healed. But when that word came, it was the gift of faith and it enlivened everyone and people believed. And I remember watching that and I was next to the wall when I watched it and we were shouting worship and I fell down on the floor and there are many people that were just, this is an old term, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but we fell down on the floor and we were just speaking in tongues. We used to call it slain in the spirit. I, don't, I hope that's not too old fashioned. It's it just what, what we, I don't know how to call it. We were laying out. We were laying out. We were knocked over. My kids will probably have a better term for it. We were drunk on the Holy Ghost. We were speaking in other tongues. We were blown away. We cried and wept because she was walking toward the front. The working of miracles were, the oil was laid. People had faith. And as, as she began to walk, I can remember looking up and watching men just collapse to their knees as she just left them and just walked down to the front. That moment change my thoughts in my life because I know what I'm talking about tonight. There are working of miracles and when they happen, they are a conjunction, they are in conjunction and operation with the gift of faith. If you believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. But there are times when God gives someone a gift of faith or they're operating the gift of faith, which is a supernatural gift. That ushers us into the working of miracles. And they're supernatural in form because the doctors can't do it. And medication can't do it. And science can't figure it out. But God does it. And finally, the third trait that's common that I found is that they are, they are involved or they involve the direct intervention of God. For the benefit of his kingdom. God intervenes. Because when a miracle takes place. 
whatever path you were on in your life with your family, with your health, whatever it is, when God intervenes, he intervenes and interrupts the path and changes the course of the path. God changes the course of the path. And sometimes those working of miracles are for the, the physical health. Sometimes they're for the emotional health. Don't discount what he can do with the emotional health. The man of Gadara was filled with 2,000 demons. And when Jesus stepped foot on that shore of Gadara, after a long day, the day before, got off the boat, the demons recognized Jesus. And they forced the man whom they possessed to run. And the Bible says he fell down and he worshipped the Lord and out of the demon's mouth said we adjure you Jesus do not torment us because they recognize the, the, the incorruptible incarnate God and Jesus asked what is thy name and he said my name is legion for we are many and, and don't torment us don't torment us when the Lord healed that man the, the following verses here is the description of the man that was from Gadara he was sitting he was clothed and he was right in his right mind. Oh, <laughs> I could be a little snide and say the unclothed and the unkept cannot be in their right mind. <laughs> but that man, when he was healed, he was sitting calm. He was clothed modesty. He was in his right mind. That was a mental, emotional healing. When the Lord heals you, he can heal you to the uttermost. He can heal your mind. He can heal the memories. He can heal the torments of your life. He can heal cancer, but he can also heal your emotional track. I want you to have therapy and counselors and people to talk to. I'm glad you have it. But in one moment, the work of miracles can heal your mind. And he can take away all the things that you deal with. It would be a faint memory. You'll look back on it and say, it must have been a different person. I don't remember the person I was. He can take away the pain and the anxiety and the abuse in your childhood. God can do that. And the working of miracles is not just cancer. It's not just a liver problem. It's not just poor eyesight. The working of miracles is everything that's supernatural that no one can do. God intervenes on your behalf and changes the course of your life. So I'm not, I'm not just promoting quick fixes. I don't believe we just come to the altar and pray through and everything's okay. I think we got to have a lot of help. I think we got to have a lot of word. I don't want you to think all I have to do is just get up there and somebody lay hands on me and I'm okay. I'm not saying that. I know you need to come back over and over again. This is like marination. I can change you from the cucumber to the pickle as long as you are in the substance. But I will tell you that under the authority of the Holy Ghost, you can be changed in a moment. Your life can, get, can be rearranged in a moment. I know God can do that because he has done it before. I don't want to discount that. I don't want to, be, I don't want to fail in pragmatism. I don't, want to, I don't want to be bound by that. To think that it's logical or I've got to go through a series of things. But I, I want it all. I want all of that. I'm going to get to it in a moment. But I want all of that. But I think God can intervene for the benefit of his kingdom. And the gift of faith and the working of miracles are so powerful when they work together hand in hand. And then we are now on to the gifts of healing, which is plurality. The gifts, a plural. G-I, 
FTS, gifts of healing. Because healing is in various forms. And see, once again, the gift of faith often leads us to the gifts of healing. So even though we say there are nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit, there really are an infinite number of supernatural gifts because some people have a gift for certain things. I, I promoted this book so many times here. I, I'm sorry to repeat it again, but, but the stories they told speak of all the powerful things that happened on Azusa Street. Go check it out, 1906. Go check it out. Phenomenal things. People, young people, 13, 14, 15 years old, had particular gifts of healing. And when they laid hands on people, the people that had that issue were healed. So there's gifts of healing. There's a plurality. We do not know how many. I've seen people lay hands on folks and there was a healing in a divide. A breach was filled. So consider the domino effect of a person's salvation. Here it is. It's now going to flow. It flows, at least in my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm watching this unfold. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You have to believe. And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's why we have to have people come in here and tell us about the miracles that have happened in their ministry and beyond our doors. Because as they repeat the testimony, it gives you courage and belief that something can happen in your life, you need to hear the testimonies, the wonderful testimonies that have happened all around the world, around the country, to other people. These things help us because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And just as faith comes by hearing, so too the gifts of healing come through the gift of faith because they are open. And the gifts of healing they're meant to do a few things. And I speak of them now. The gifts of healing. They're meant to restore the person to health. Whatever the health issue is. Anxieties. We don't talk a lot about anxieties, but people in this house have been healed of anxieties. There have been people who talk to me and said, I don't know if I could come to church because I have PTSD and I can't get there. It's the crowd, the noise. But the Lord healed them in impossibility. They weren't going to the Methodist church. They were going to the Apostolic Pentecostal church. They weren't going to the church of Christ. We got drums, people. We want to hear them. Somebody said amen. Somebody said turn them down, turn them down. To restore the person to health. The restoration, healing for the restoration of the body, of the mind, of the spirit, of the emotion, of the family, of the relationship. Are you ready? Of the marriage. I've seen people lay hands on the marriage and the marriage was restored. I don't know how it happened. It should have fallen apart. It should have been over. But God did a supernatural work through a gift of healing. I don't ever discount that. I'm thankful for all the people who help. But there's some times when the gifts of healing occur and it completely restores people's lives. The lives, the relationships. The gifts of healing, they're meant to do multiple things. Meant to provide a cure. 
a cure for which there is no cure, a healing for there, there is no healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To repair whatever is broken cannot be repaired because it's a supernatural work. It's a supernatural work. You know that people all over the world want to see these things take place. They'll stand in, in lines for hours and hours and hours to see supernatural things. It's happened so many times. Tammy and I were in, we were in Metairie, Louisiana. It's been a long time ago. We were there and, and somebody in the New Orleans area, it was just close by, said they saw the painting outside of a church. Actually, it wasn't a painting. It was more of a motif. It was a bronze motif of Mary. And someone said they saw a tear come down the cheek of Mary on that bronze impressioned motif outside of the Catholic Church. And there was a line of people. They developed a line. They had to have, they had to have help with the masses that wanted to walk by to see if they could witness a supernatural event of a tear falling out of the bronze motif of Mary. Hours and hours and hours. People stood in line days. They, they wanted to see something supernatural. People have followed, galloped, as it were, all around the country when some famed healing person, crusades, came around. Some of them were fraudulent. But who knows, maybe some of them were healed because they wanted their healing and they called on God. He was gracious to them. <laughs> we don't know. But people by the masses come. Even in the day of Jesus, the Bible says his fame, his, na- his, his famed was noise abroad. He even told the man of Gadara, don't tell anyone, but he did. And they all came because they wanted to see a healer. Even modern medicine would tell you at the time, people would die of small things. Life expectancy could be younger than it is today. But a healer could cure them. And I would just say to you that the gifts of healing to restore, to cure, to repair, all of those things can happen during a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And God can give you the gift or one of the gifts of healing. So that when you lay hands on someone, they are instantly cured, repaired, and healed. Everybody said amen. Well, this is the part where we struggle. Because we are going to measure ourselves whether or not we're worthy of it. Let's go back to the start. Carnality and flesh are the deterrents that keep the spirit out of your life. Think of, think of this is how I think of myself. I'm a conduit. I'm a conduit. And, and in this conduit, if I do what I'm supposed to do, I take myself out of, the, out of the equation so that the Holy Ghost can move through me, out of me, and into the people. The more of me, the less of the Spirit. 
can get through me because I'm a conduit and, and, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to just utter what the Holy Ghost has to say. When I, when I superimpose myself in the equation or I, or, or, or I think of myself, then I clog up the conduit. The, the Holy Ghost can't get through. <clears throat> I think the Lord would love to use all of us in the supernatural gifts but we got to make sure that carnality is not part of the equation. And carnality can readily be seen in pride. Pride. Pride has stopped so many revivals. Pride. Arrogance. A haughty spirit. He would love to use you. Wouldn't you love to be used? Lay hands on somebody. Well, I'm going to tell you. The moment you lay hands on somebody and they are healed. That's the moment you're going to have to deal with your flesh. I, I, I didn't get to go to the hospital a couple years ago, but Brother Huttiger went. They said, Pastor, we really want you to come and pray because we know God, God can talk to you. God can, God's going to move. And I said, I, I wish I could go. I, I said, Brother Huttiger, could you go? He went, he laid hands on them, and they were healed. And I said, aren't you glad Brother Huttiger went? <laughs> You'd stop, probably still be sick if I walked in that, and then I'd be sick because you were sick. It wasn't a figure or a personality. When it, if, if, if you could do something in the spirit and, and, and God will use you all the time in the spirit, the problem with that is, is afterwards when you feel like, hey, I've, I've got something. I can do this. Don't mess with me. I've got the gift. I can, I can. Yes, he would like to do that in us, but we got to get flesh and carnality out because carnality is hostile. It's hostile against God. He wants to give this church all of the supernatural gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of faith, the, the word of knowledge. He wants to give us discerning of spirits, the power gifts, the gifts of healing, the gifts of faith, the working of miracles. He wants all of these to be prevalent and, and available to this body right here in this house. So when I walk in and say, let's, let's get our minds on the Lord. Let's think about the Lord. Let's talk about the Lord. I don't want to talk about politics anymore. I rue the, the day they turn on all the political commercials. I, I, I cringe at, at, the, at the fervency and the fire and the passion people have for politics and, and the blandness that they have for God. I, I cringe to hear Pentecostal apostolics get all fired up about the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, all the other amendments, and, and they have no passion for the lost or for God. It bothers me that we get all excited about sporting programs and, and, and all the things that go on in the world. Hear me, that is a carnal mind. That carnal mind is hostile against the things of God. I'm standing right up here and telling everybody the Lord wants to pour out supernatural gifts on the whole church. You've got to be more focused on the things of God than on the things of the world because if you follow the flesh, what did I teach you? If you follow after the flesh, you cannot please or understand the things of God and the flesh has to be killed every day. If you repented 10 years ago, it's not good enough for today. You go back to that altar every day. Every t- Lord, forgive me. Lord, 
cleanse me. Lord, purify me. Lord, purify me. Lord, I got my mind's going to be pure. Lord, let my thoughts be right. Lord, let my spirit be right every day. Even if I don't think that I made a mistake, I don't want to take a chance. Lord, help me today. Help me today. I've got, why did Paul? Paul wrote 13 books in your Bible. Paul converted most of Asia Minor. Paul wrote all kinds of things under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Paul laid on top of Eutychus and he came back to life. Paul cast out the devils and the, and the girl with the spirit of divination, she came out. And if he said, I gotta die daily, I'm gonna tell you, everybody in this house, everybody that hears the word, you've got to die daily to your flesh. Don't trust that you have conquered it. You will never conquer it until you get a glorified body until this corruptible takes on incorruptible I'll tell you what I'm desperate for I'm not desperate for new buildings and more properties I'm not desperate for another thing I'm not desperate for another thing I can hold in my hand I am desperate for a Holy Ghost revival a moving of the supernatural gifts I'm desperate to see Holy Ghost move in here and give us the power that he has he has already told us about in the scripture access to the supernatural gifts of the spirit he wants to heal your mind. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal your sons and your daughters. He wants to take away the stain and the blemish and the haunting memories that you have. He can do it through the operation of the Holy Ghost. And if it doesn't happen in a single moment, you get inside of this place and be marinated every time. You can be marinated, be marinated, be marinated, be marinated. I'm better, I'm better, I'm better today than I was before. I'm better right now at 7.35 than I was when we started at 6.35. Something's happened to me in the Holy Ghost all over again. i got to hear the Word of God because faith is going to come by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I want to be saved. Here it is, right here in your life. We are living in a day when we have got to have more supernatural gifts of the Spirit. I think this... I think prosperity of the American church has laid to waste the desire for the supernatural gifts. Why do we, why do we need the supernatural gifts? We have Medicare and Medicaid. We have hospitals and ERs. We have kits and programs and learned people and doctors and nurses and nurse practitioners in this house. Maybe our prosperity of not having to wonder where food's going to come from and transportation is going to come from. Maybe this, is, maybe this is what's hurting us because people without these things are desperate for supernatural gifts. I'm not telling you to throw away your 401ks or if you got a Roth IRA, praise God. Thank God for the annuity and the CD and the bond. Thank God for that. But don't put your trust in that stuff. Don't think that just because you have it that it can't be taken away. Don't think that that's going to give you security. Your only security is in this book right here. Your only security is in the word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Say, well, I got a good job. So what? I'll tell you what. You are one small synapsis process, one neuron missing a skip, missing a beat. And you can have a stroke and tomorrow you may not be able to use the left side of your body and you can't do the function anymore. Now what? You're only one small car accident away and hitting your head or slipping or having some damage or one economic crash. All of you in the service industries, I just want to tell you about the service industries. Thank God if you're good at mowing grass. But when the economy goes down and, and everything's collapsing, no one's going to care if the grass is manicured. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I massage necks and back, yeah? I can tell you about that. People will roll on the floor, get their back massaged before they give you 60 bucks. Hot stones, all hot stones. Just lay on the concrete. I got some hot stones for you. <laughs> See? Uh-huh. We don't know. We don't know. Go take some pictures of India. Go look at India, where the masses of them feed themselves out of the garbage and the dumps. Go find out. We're living. I'll tell you what. When you get desperate for the move of the Holy Ghost and the spiritual gifts in your life, it will transform how you live. You know what you're going to do? You're going to bypass everybody. You're going to go right to that Holy of Holies. And you're going to say, Lord, I'm ready. I covet them. I desire them. I pray for them. Paul said, pray for them. Desire them. Covet these gifts. Yes, yes, yes. Let me just wrap up if I can. I don't know how I can do this. Three forms of healing. The body. That's the physical. Everyone say the body. Physical. This healing is the most noticeable. It's accepted. People give credence to it because it's the body. It's a physical. It's an outward show. Over sickness, his stripes were healed, but that's not the only thing. Physical. When I call for people to be healed, almost everybody is thinking about the physical. And that's okay. If you have a physical ailment, come and be prayed for over and over again. Be prayed for. Be healed of the physical ailment. That's not the only thing. The physical. The second form of healing is the mind. It's the mental. It's the emotional thought. The mind. My mind has to be healed. Some people don't think right. They're skewed. It doesn't mean that they have taken medications or drugs. They just don't think correctly. But on this note, of course, the demonic world would push mind-altering drugs. Of course. Because the brain gets damaged. Mm-hmm. So the second form of healing is the mind. To think right. To think pure. To think even with common sense. To think. The Bible said there will be a day when good will become evil. Evil will become good. Right will become wrong. Wrong will become right. When God heals you, you have a sense of what's right and what's wrong according to the scripture and the Lord. People need a healing of their mind. The mind will play tricks on you. You need your mind healed, your emotions healed, your mental capacity healed. Because you'll think that some things are permissible when they're not permissible. Because you've been inundated with the philosophies of the world. Well, I, this is what I think. Well, this is what I think. Well, yeah, but your, your mind's not right. Your mind's not healed. People need to be healed in their mind. And number three, finally, number three, is a spirit or spiritual, your spirit. So to be healed in your body, in your mind, and in your spirit. And in this sense, the spirit of a person is is restored, cleansed. It's the heart, the thought. The passions.
Now, I just want to end here and just say, there is an instant form of healing. This is John 9. It's the instant form of healing. And the instant form of healing is displayed when Jesus healed the blind man. And in that moment, his eyes were restored. And God can heal you of anything because for God or to God, there are not levels of healing. There, there are not levels of abilities or, or exertion on his part. He's not to, to heal someone of, of, a, of a tumor, of an incurable tumor, is not a greater feat for him than to heal someone of a sprained ankle. Now we will consider it differently because we know the sprained ankle can heal on its own. Well, the tumor that's inoperable, uh, only God can fix. But for God, he doesn't have a hierarchy of healings where one takes more prayer or faith than another. Or one takes more exertion on, our, on his part than another. Because God is a healer. He can heal all things. And he can do it in an immediate and a quick moment. But there's another form of healing. So you got the John 9 healing and you got the Mark 8. Now before I just fill in your blank, let me just tell you about Mark 8 healing. Mark 8 healing is another blind man. So if Jesus could heal one blind man in a moment, why couldn't he heal all of them in a moment? There's a reason for that. He's teaching us something about another form of healing. Because the Lord touched the man's eyes and the man came back and here's the statement for the man. I see men as trees walking. The Lord's going to touch him again and the Bible will say he saw clearly. It was a progression. It was a progressive thing. The operation of the church, Bible study, Sunday morning, Sunday night, the things we do here, other functions, prayer meetings, Tuesday night prayer meetings. A lot of those healings you're unaware of because they are progressive healings. Most of us in this house have experienced Mark chapter 8 healing in our life. Where we are rearranged. The precepts are changed. The concepts are changed. The pathway is changed. Because the other kind of healing is a progressive healing. He can give you an instant healing. But a lot of things can be progressive in nature. And this happens time and again. Where you're listening to a lesson, a sermon, the music, worship. And over and over again, these healings take place. Over and over again. Amen.